Welcome to Red Hat Radio. I'm Liz Calloway, and happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. You know, this is a, a wonderful time. It's springtime, and flowers are blooming, and life, and rebirth, and we just celebrated Easter and all over the world, and um, it it gives us a time to really reflect and think about what life is really about. So it was not lost on me at all that the Roe v. Wade uh, draft decision by Justice Alito was leaked the week leading into Mother's Day. Isn't that amazing how the imagery from the beginning of the week is so different from the imagery at the end of the week? When we think about abortion, we think about a mother-to-be, and I believe a mother at that point, is not wanting her child, and so much so, not wanting to be a mother so much so that she's willing to kill her child to avoid being a mother. And I don't know. I mean, I'm a mother. I've I've given birth twice. I have two children. Um I can't even imagine while I was being pregnant at any point along that pregnancy thinking that this would be, you know, a horrific event. I, I was scared to give birth. I'm not going to lie. And, you know, it was rough. Um, <laughs> touch and go there a couple of times. But but I, I never thought for one second that, you know, I need to get rid of this this thing inside me. Now, there are situations, of course, that that could be true. Uh, you know, a woman could be in a very bad situation with an abusive uh, husband who, um, you know, is forcing her to do things. And, uh, the, you know, she's thinking the worst thing that could possibly happen is that uh, I have this person's child and then I'm financially stuck or physically stuck and she's terrified. Um, yeah, that that does happen. Um, and of course, uh, maybe someone is raped, a woman is raped, and um, she finds out that um, she is pregnant. But of course, um, there, there are things that, you know, uh, happen to us, and they're awful. And I don't, you know, I don't wish that upon anybody, but of course not. And, uh, and you think about it, it does happen, because, and it puts you in an awful position. Now, there are things that people do. They can take uh, birth control pills. There's a morning after pill that prevents a pregnancy from happening. And then we talked about just recently, it's so strange that we would be talking about self-managed abortion. Last week, I had to look it up. I was like, wait, what is this about? 54% of abortions are done at home with a couple of pills. Um, and women manage their own abortions. But then what happens? They take one pill, it kills the baby. The second pill forces the fetus out, and then I don't know what the woman's supposed to do after that. I have no idea. Um, I don't know. At You know, there's a, fr there's a time frame in that. So uh, the fetus is bigger and bigger as time goes on. So I, I really don't, I don't understand the end game to that. I have to do more research because many times when you are, when people just kind of throw terms around, 
you know, oh, a self-managed abortion, you do it at home and it's no big deal. It's just as safe as in-clinic abortions. And that's what we need to move on to. And what Congress needs to do is to make sure that self-managed abortions are legal in every state and it's federal uh, law across the land. And, you know, because I think in Texas, there's restrictions on it. Uh, and so every state is different. And, I, and I'm going to have to do some research on that. But when you actually think about, okay, what is self, self-managed self abortion? At what stage? There's different stages. And there's a chance if you do it at a certain point, um, you can see a woman in a desperate situation might say, yeah, yeah, I'm three months pregnant. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then maybe what? She's four or five months pregnant. And what? The baby is born alive. And then what? Okay. There's just so many situations out there that could happen it's not and this whole roe v wade thing is is just um you know it's so there's so many layers to abortion and there are companies that are making money off of this Uh, i've talked about this on my morning show on talk 94.5 that there's such a thing as humanized mice and i and i asked everyone do you know what a humanized mice mouse is do you have any idea And so I, you know, when I was reading about humanized mice and how baby fetal parts are used for humanized mice, I thought, what does that mean exactly? You know, I always go a little deeper. Um, And then I did research on humanized mice and I found lots of lots of documents, official documents by really smart people telling uh, us, oh, this is uh, saving, you know, the human race with we're able to take these little livers and kidneys. um, And what we do is we take a mouse, we radiate it until it has no immune system at all. And we implant all these baby parts. I'm not lying. You think I'm making this up? There's people who actually have entire factories making these humanized mice, okay? I mean, there's a hospital in San Francisco that, or center um, that actually focuses on this. Yeah. Um, anyway, so they put these organs inside the, the mouse, and then they try to recreate with the baby fetal parts an immune system that's similar to humans. And then they take the scalp of a fetus and sew it on the back of the mouse. So you have like baby hair growing out of the back of the mouse. You think I'm making this up? I am not. You know, and people are like, oh, stop talking about it. I can't help it. Because until you actually understand what's happening out there, you know, I mean, it's just amazing how much we don't understand because we choose to look away. We can't keep looking away. We have to look at what partial birth abortion really is. These people want to make sure that if a woman decides to to end her baby's life moments before birth, she can. That's crazy. Think about how many women are forced to get an abortion because their husband doesn't want them to have the baby or their parents don't want to go through the embarrassment of their child being a teenage uh, mother. Well, let me tell you that I think this comes from parenting. And it is an important conversation that every parent should be having with both boys and girls. 
You need to instill these thoughts. I don't care what your religion is. I know they're beating up on Catholics right now, and I'm a Catholic. I get it. But it's not only Catholics that think that abortion is wrong. And there are many Catholics that think it's "Ah, it's fine because the Overton window on that topic has moved. So it's not about your religion. There are plenty of people that are not Catholic that think killing a baby, an innocent child that turns into a beautiful human adult, okay, is just wrong. It's wrong on so many levels. Now, are there extenuating circumstances and stuff goes wrong and and a mother needs chemotherapy because she has cancer and finds out while she's pregnant and there's a million different scenarios out there. Every abortion is different. I get it. But this should be a decision that is going to the states of how we're going to handle abortion or not. I, I really don't have the answer to that. It's it's a thing that's out there. Maybe it saves lives of the moms, you know, in situations. Um, I, I really, you know, listen, I'm not a, a medical doctor. There are many different scenarios. But when you see people using abortion as birth control or using it to control population or using it to make money on the fetal baby parts, you know, there's... There's a problem here. When there's an industry on what to do with discarded babies, there's a problem. We need to look at it. We need to make a decision here. When you have more black and brown babies, as they like to call them, being aborted out of proportion, and how Roe v. Wade decision is going to disproportionately impact people in poor communities, and they say black and brown, you know, there's racism involved in that. <laughs> you know, I've, I've spoken to women who are black and who say, I'm offended by that. We keep our babies. We raise them as families. We don't get abortions. So it made me think, well, that's why Planned Parenthood is in those neighborhoods mostly. We had a conversation with Dr. Ben Carson, and he said that's why they set up in those neighborhoods. Because they can be easily convinced that You're not worthy to be a mother. Look at the way you live. That's not possible. That's no way to bring up a baby. The baby is going to end up just like you. Poor, desperate, pregnant. Think about it. That's why it's important as parents to let children know, hey, listen, I I don't want this to happen. This is is how our family values are. We, We hope that you meet someone, you fall in love. You get married, you buy a house, you have a baby, maybe another one. We hope that's the path you follow. But sometimes life throws us curveballs. So if you ever find yourself in the situation that you're pregnant or your girlfriend becomes pregnant or something like that, please come to me. I will not judge you. We will have a conversation about this and we will make a decision together. Don't trust some stranger that is going to make money off your abortion. Come to the family. Come to your home values. You, we need to create that environment for our children. And tell them often that they're safe with their conversations with us. And we will help them make a decision. 
I believe that abortion is a form of suicide. It's a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Nothing, nothing. If you were raped, there is nothing that will remove the rape from your life. Guess what? If you abort the baby, you are still raped. The only thing that's going to protect you from that rape is to heal and move on and make something of yourself. It's not to end a life. It's not to end your life. It's not to end the baby's life. And it is our responsibility as parents or as friends or as aunts or or uncles or grandparents to have that conversation. Don't look away. We need to look at the problem. You never know when it might arise. You never know when a young 17-year-old girl may say, oh my gosh, I could be pregnant. I better go to Planned Parenthood and get a test. And then they go in there and they go, yep, you're pregnant. We could take care of it right now if you like. Yeah, 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 my mom will never know. And then it's as if it never happened, but it haunts them. Because later on when they're trying to have a baby and they have trouble, it could be because of that abortion they had, that D&C abortion they may have had. Or maybe that pill they took with the horse medicine in it might have caused a permanent issue with them carrying a child in the future. Who knows? Get ahead of the problem. Have the conversation early on. The reason why I'm uh, really fired up about this in particular is Teen Vogue, that Marxist publication, you know, it is, uh, I mean, I have to delve deeper into the workings of Teen Vogue, but I signed up for their newsletters because I was, um, when I'm looking around for news, occasionally releases come from all different publications and Teen Vogue sometimes pops up on mine because, of course, I'm a girl and love all sorts of beauty products and things like that. So I like to read articles about you know, skincare and whatever. But I grew up reading Seventeen Magazine. And I, you know, hey, does this boy really like you? What happens when a boy says, you know, things like that? Now you read these magazines, Teen Vogue. Holy moly. What a Marxist rag that thing is. Just give give them a follow on Twitter. It is unbelievable what they're telling young women. And in fact, next week on this Red Hat Radio podcast, I will delve deeper into why I think there's a labor shortage. Oh, yeah. I'm a business owner as well. My husband and I own a little breakfast cafe, and uh, it's impossible to get any young people to work. All of our employees, except for one, is 50 plus. The other uh, woman is in her 30s, and she's raising a child at home, and she just wanted to get out a few days a week while her child is in school to supplement their income and have an adult conversation. I get it. So we are happy to have her. But there's also everybody else is 50 plus, 60 plus, 70 plus. No joke. We're going to talk about that next week. But I want to talk to you about the email that I got, because what I did was when I saw what Teen Vogue was doing um, on their social media and their Marxist ways, I saw 
that I, a way to subscribe to them so I can keep my finger on what they're do what they're talking about. And so they sent me an email that said, young people are turning to birth control in the wake of the Roe v. Wade decision. So it says here, young people are switching their birth control before abortion access via Roe v. Wade falls. And it goes on to tell all these, I'm going to call them sob stories, but they're true. All these reasons why women can't take birth control. And they're true. A lot of women can't take them because the hormone content is bad for them. Uh, There are risks of clots and and, um, heart problems. And there's risk of Oh, uh, you know, breast cancer issues that come up with certain levels of estrogen. I mean, uh, you know, your hair could fall out. It can cause migraines. There's lots of side effects to birth control, birth control pills. But there's also lots of issues, okay, with, um, you know, other types of, you know, the patch, the birth control patch that distributes a birth control in your system for three months. Then there's the IUD, an insertion, like a barrier method, if you will. Um, There's all different types of birth control, so many different kinds. And this article is, is talking about how awful the government is if Roe v. Wade fails and falls and you are forced to get an abortion instead of preventing an abortion. Um, So you, you, you need to, you need to concentrate on not getting pregnant. And it's such a horrifying thing that now the government is forcing you into birth control, even if it's going to make you sick and your hair fall out and, and exacerbate your chronic conditions and, and do all these awful things to you. The government is making you do it. And now they're saying all these women are making a mad dash to get birth control from their doctors, that there's going to be a shortage and backups at clinics and you're not going to have any choice. And they said the big rise in IUD insertions, the barrier method, right, uh, for women, is going, it's going to shoot way up just as it did when Donald Trump was elected because, you know, <laughs> he, was, he was going to make Roe v. Wade go away, right? That was the big, the big thought. So people are saying in this article how awful the government is to force you to consider birth control by limiting your access to abortion. And they also say in this article, and I'll read it, Mary says... Her decision to resume birth control makes her feel like her hand is forced. She thinks she'll get an IUD because, she says, even in a Roe v. Wade-less world where advocates fear birth control may be under attack next, they cannot make her take out an IUD, but they can block access to birth control medication. So what they're saying is, is, hey, abortions are first, birth control pills are next. So it's really crazy. It's crazy talk. And later on in the article in Teen Vogue, they also talk about how it's important for us to tell our, as women, to tell our congresspeople to to make sure self-managed abortions, abortion by pill that you get from a telehealth doctor 
Could you imagine this? A scared 17-year-old girl in, I don't know, Texas, who can't just walk into a, uh, an abortion clinic and get an abortion, says, I'm going to call a doctor on my computer, on my phone, and um, tell them I'm three months pregnant. How do they even know? <laughs> you know? How many months pregnant? How many weeks pregnant? I don't know. Maybe, you know, when did you miss your last period? Oh, I, you know, nobody knows. They're all confused. Okay. And they're going to request this medication. It's going to come. They're going to take this medication. Their parents are probably not even going to know. They're going to take this medication. They're going to go through this process. It's going to take a week to get through this process. They say, don't make any plans for the rest of the week. You know, you're not going to feel well. You're going to, you have to pass a baby for goodness sake. So, and then what do you do with that? What do you do? What is, what does that look like? (laughs) I can't even imagine it. You're forcing your body to have a miscarriage. You're not going to feel well. It's going to be painful. It's going to be a mess. And, and depending on where you are in the stage of your pregnancy, I don't even, I can't even imagine what the aftermath is like. This is heavy stuff. And you're going to ask a 17 year old to self-manage this or an 18 year old or whatever self-manage this, and you're going to tell me this is as safe as an in-clinic abortion? Well, I mean, a lot of people question the safety of in-clinic abortions. Oh, well, it's safety than back alley hanger abortions. Oh, I can't take it. So, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't really know. Um, we need a clear discussion. We need an honest discussion with OB doctors to figure out what are your options before? What are your options during? What are your options after? Just a clear discussion on what all these things mean. Before you start taking to the streets and uh, torturing justices at their homes and at their doorsteps and, uh, you know, storming into Catholic churches all over the country, Maybe we should find out, you know, do all those people know what a self-managed abortion is? Do they know what a partial birth abortion is? No, they probably don't. And you know what? They don't care. They don't care because they have been taught by social media and everything else out in this world that the only thing that matters is yourself. You are the only important thing. Look at yourself in the selfie Look at yourself doing this. Well, take video of yourself doing that. Take picture after picture after picture. Just obsess with yourself. And what do we have? Suicidal, mentally ill, self-absorbed society. It's just nonstop. It's all about you, not this baby. If I didn't have this baby, I'd have an Oscar. How many women have had abortions and still won't ever get an Oscar? But that woman, that highly respected woman, and I forget her name, That's how important she is. She stood up during the Oscars and said, it's because I had two abortions that I had the opportunity to get this Oscar. And now I have two beautiful children. And those two children are probably sitting at home. They're like, what? You mean I might've had a brother or a sister, a couple of brothers or sisters? Mommy, why did you choose us and not them? Did anybody ever think what the siblings think? About their mother killing off their other brother and sister? They're so self-absorbed. They're they're shouting their abortions. People are carrying signs. I wish I was aborted. 
What in the world? These people are suicidal, self-absorbed, self-loathing women. Women who hate themselves so much that they would kill a piece of them. And I'll tell you this one last thing. That when I gave birth to my first child, my son, Nicholas, who's now going to be 27 soon. I was like, it was a miracle to me. I just couldn't believe what was happening. You know, I was uh, 26 years old and married and having this child. And it was just an amazing thing. It was the most amazing moment of my life. This moment of life or death. It was just, you know, giving birth is so traumatizing on the mother and then the baby. And then, of course... The father is like freaking out, feeling helpless, trying to, you know, what can I do? And seeing all this happening, this hanging in the balance. It is such a moment that I just felt like I was just part of this like miracle of life that I've always been taught by my parents about how amazing and how we celebrate life and celebrate the birth of a baby. And it was just a joyous occasion. That's what it should be about. And I understand it's not like that for every woman. But we should make clear paths as as parents. Don't leave it up to the local crisis center. You know, although it's wonderful that they exist and that they're out there to assist women to paths of adoption or understanding how they can keep their baby. I get that. But the winding path that your daughter or son needs to go through to get to that crisis. It needs to start at home. It's all in our best interest to tell every young woman, every young man, there are alternatives. Life is beautiful. This is temporary. There are other pathways. There's adoption. We can make sure your child is safe and and can live on a beautiful life. You don't have to make this permanent decision for a beautiful person that's about to be born. How do you know that's not the person that's going to discover the cure for cancers? How do you know that that person's not going to be the next great leader of the world? Next great inventor? Or just... A wonderful person that has a beautiful family of their own and enriches people's lives all over their community. Everybody's life has a purpose. We need to make sure that our young people know that life is wonderful. It is in our best interest. So on this Mother's Day, of course, we all have a mother. Um, Maybe they're not the best, (laughs) maybe they're not perfect, but we all have a mother that chose life for us. Even if they gave us up for adoption, even if they weren't the best skilled mom out there, um, they still chose life for you, and we, we are thankful for that. So if you have the opportunity to give your mom a hug or another mom a hug, maybe another mom is going through something difficult, maybe they lost a child along in their life, just give them a hug. We need to support each other. With that, have a wonderful Mother's Day weekend, and we'll see you back here on Red Hat Radio. I'm Liz Calloway.